Yeah, it was a, a busy week with homecoming, and <clears throat> my voice still hasn't quite recovered from Friday night. Uh, it was a, a really fun game. I told our Sunday school class about it. Uh, homecoming games, it's either a great motivator or a great distractor, and and I I don't know that that was the case of maybe the first half we were distracted and the second half we were motivated. But uh, any way you look at it, it, it made for a really fun game. So um, really interesting how the, the Lord works. I, I woke up with next week's message on my mind and then went into a mild panic because I hadn't really taken a, a good chunk of time in the week where I normally block off and and just get quiet and get ready for Sunday morning. Got ate up with other things this week and and I got kind of spiritually beat up along the way this week with a, a whole bunch of uh, of stuff and that that happens and. Um, as I started to get around for the day, I remembered, oh no, uh, I've got to finish a chapter in a book that I'm reading with some friends of mine, and if I'm going to stay on pace, I've got to read that chapter, and 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 I, I, I wonder sometimes if God doesn't just laugh at us a little bit, because where we're, we're frustrated and anxious and nervous, we're, we're right exactly where He wants us, and uh, I was... I was telling Arlene that this is the the sermon this morning came, you know, straight out of thoughts I had from from reading this book. And uh, if you want to get a copy of that book and read it, it's called Resilient by John Eldridge. And I'll just warn you, if you ever read any of Eldridge's stuff, uh, it's really good. But you better get ready to get beat up a little bit because he doesn't pull punches and that's probably why I enjoy reading him, but uh, really, really interesting, and, and I won't take you through the whole book, but uh, this morning's chapter was about recognizing the the fact that God designed us in such a way and, and specifically designed the human brain to process the life you're going through as a narrative. Why do we teach children through stories when they're younger? It's because that's the way our brains are taught to process life. We, we find ourselves in the middle of a story where, well, let's just be fair, you're the main character in your own story. And I'm really glad that, you know, my main character is not being played by somebody else. Now, if they're going to make a movie version, I've got a few guys in mind we'll put in that role because they're better looking and superior actors, and it would be really fun. But, you know, that's a, a rabbit you can chase on your own after church. Who would you have play your life story in a movie? And it's really funny because as we get older, the actor has to get older too. Uh, but if you're telling your whole story, you get to pick younger people to be you when you're young, and it, it could be a lot of fun. But the human brain being designed to process life as a narrative, and, and I want us to, to walk away this morning understanding that where you find yourself in the telling of the story matters. And, and 
and we'll, we're going to dive into that a lot this morning because we we're surrounded by a, a mass media culture that is heavily trying to influence your story. That they want you to get your news, and and I'll be honest, I get the bulk of my news through social media. I don't watch a lot of news on television. Um, I'm one of those very skeptical people that I don't trust them. Um, and I don't trust the news on social media either, to be fair. Uh, when it came time to find out about events in Ukraine, I had an exchange student that I'm still in touch with through social media. I text Vitaly. I, I messaged him through Messenger and, and would wait the time difference. And I got my news about Ukraine through somebody who's boots on the ground. And that's a luxury I had that a lot of people didn't. So um, I, I found myself less and less wanting anyone in the world to tell me what the story is. And, and we'll get back to that. But the trouble we have is we allow too many voices to help in the narration of our lives. We allow too many voices to help narrate our story. And, and I'll just tell you, sometimes it's the voices that aren't saying anything that narrate our story are even louder than the ones that we're listening to. And, you know, it, it, it's something where, you know, I, I, I get frustrated with family members that don't tell me when they're going through stuff. Not because, I, not because I'm a great fixer that I can come in and fix all their problems, but I'm a person who firmly believes in the power of prayer. And if I don't know, I can't pray for you. And, and I get almost angry with some of my family members that are slugging their way through something. And, and they're, I don't know if it's shame or, or what, but they don't reach out and ask for prayer. And I, I hope that we as a church move past that together where we reach out to each other. And I'm not saying that you can't reach out to just me, but I'm one person and, and I have a really good network of people that if I say, hey, pray for a lady or a man in my church, I don't have to give them names, but I know these people will stop in that moment and pray. But if I don't know, I can't get prayer for you and I can't pray for you. Just like if... Denise is struggling with something. I can know that she's struggling, but I don't always know exactly what it is because I'm not with her 24 hours a day. And if she didn't tell me, how could we know? How could I know? It's not like the bank account where I can look it up and say, oh yeah, you bought something on Amazon. Oh wait, that's me. <laughs> I'm the Amazon person in our house. Yeah. <clears throat> teachers pay teachers. That's where she's guilty. Okay. But... But we allow these voices to speak into our life and to tell us that we should feel outrage at some social injustice that's happening, that, that we should dislike people because they're of a certain political party because they all think the same like robots. I'm going to step on toes and I don't really care because we're, we're called to be who we are. We, we get uncomfortable around people because they're not making choices that line up with our faith. Well, until the moment you accepted Jesus, neither were you. Neither was I. And no sin 
is any higher than the other sin. But sometimes we, we get that crawling skin uncomfortable around people instead of look past their sin and realize there's an eternal soul that's destined for hell and love them like Jesus. Get past the narrative. And, and sadly, that part of the narrative has been incorporated through the church culture that a lot of us grew up in. I was there. I was there. If, and I'll just be honest with you. If I hadn't grown up in that church culture, I don't know that I ever would have been reached for the gospel. So I'm not saying that, that people just mess everything up. I'm saying the, the reality of that, if I hadn't grown up in that culture, I might have been a drastically different Christian when I first got saved. Because I have no doubt that Jesus Christ was going to come find me because my story was written before I was ever born. According to the Word of God, He knew me as He knit me together in my mother's womb and that He had set a plan in motion. And the, the, the moments, the events that brought me to a salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ were not accidental. And, and I can separate all of everything else growing up and I would still come to that moment because God had written it out. He had narrated that story perfectly that regardless of what happened to that point, I would come to know Him. And that, that's mind-blowing to me. But the world is full of trouble. The news, social media, the entertainment industry, if you haven't picked up on this by now, they're all driven by the trouble. Nobody's going to watch the news for good news. Just be real. You flip the news on, the first thing you're waiting to see is where was the wreck in Oklahoma City? Where was the shooting in Oklahoma City? What country went to war with what country today? What's the economy doing? What's the stock exchange doing? You know, we're not looking for good news. Maybe on the stock exchange we're hoping for it, but we're not looking for it. You go to the gas pump, you're not looking for good news. You're cringing. I'm cringing at the grocery store when I go to grab that gallon of milk right now. It's like anybody nearby sees this on social media and you have a dairy, reach out. Reach out. We'll work something out. I don't have a lot to trade. I mean, I might just loan you a kid to milk or something. I don't know. <laughs> Xavier, all those weights you've been lifting, brother, we got something to do. Heyday would take on a whole new meaning. But we, we live in a world that's driven by a hunger and an urge to see how bad the news is going to be. And Jesus told us about this in John 16, 33. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. As Christians, we, we've got to find that, that point in our life where we start to, to get a healthier balance of, yeah, we want to know what the news is because we, we want to see the, the things that the Bible talks about, but we don't want 
seeing and hearing that to settle it into our heart to where it starts producing fruit. And, and the voice you listen to the most drives your narrative. You will act accordingly because there's always going to be fruit where you invest your time and energy. The, the Bible translates that into to the verse of where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where you put the most investment is where your heart's going to be. And, and the psalmist warned us through his son later in Proverbs, guard your heart, for out of it come the very issues of life. If you let all this bad news and, and bad stuff settle into your heart, what's eventually going to be coming out of your heart? The, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if, if all you're putting in is bad news, frustration, struggle, fear, worry, what's going to come out of your mouth? Colossians 3, Paul writes to us and says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. How we think affects our day, doesn't it? How many of you, when you roll out of bed, first thought in the morning is, ah, oh, it's morning already. Teenagers, you better get your hands up. People think teenagers don't have a lot of thought. I can tell you the thoughts of teenagers. I can tell you the thought of most of the people in this room when you roll out of bed tomorrow morning is going to be, oh, it's Monday. It's Monday. You're not going to jump out of bed like some fiery Pentecostal in the South where, hallelujah, it's Monday. <laughs> Nobody does that. If they do, they're on an illegal substance and you should get them treatment. <laughs> but what, what happens if, if we start to set our minds on Christ the first thing we wake up? We do have that negative thought, but we learn to fight that thought with the reality of God's Word and the reality of God telling our story. We wake up and, oh, it's Monday. But this is the day that the Lord has made and I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Because God, you're giving me one more day. You're writing one more day into my story to do something for you. And I'll tell you that'll lead to a habit of gratitude and a, a habit of hitting your knees first thing in the morning. And if you don't know anything else to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. It's perfect. You hit your knees and you pray the Lord's Prayer and... I guarantee you when you get up, you'll have a different mindset to go face the day. Because suddenly you've handed the narrated pen back to the one who rightfully earned it. You've said, you've said essentially what Jesus said in Gethsemane. He said, not my will, but yours be done. In the prayer, you're saying, give me today my daily bread. And you're planning ahead for your eventual mess up. Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Here's the pen. Lead me not to temptation. But if I find myself there, deliver me. Man, I love serving the God who delivers. 
Not going to go to the pizza joke. Not doing it. If the world owns your thoughts, this is the fruit. Stress, anxiety, fear, depression, anger. If the majority of what you consume that's helping drive your narrative is the news of this world, you're going to feel stress, anxiety, fear, depression, and anger. That's the, the other one you might throw in there is guilt. Because this world will try and make you feel guilty about a lot of things. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Aren't you glad I put the, the version I have forbearance instead of patience? They're, they're the same word, sorry. Patience. Oh, Ooh, teachers in the house, we don't want that one. We don't pray for that either. And there's, there, there's where we're about to get Pentecostal people in here because you tell teachers why we don't pray for patience because the only way to grow patience is to have it tested. And that kid just popped in your mind. I ruined your Sunday, I'm sorry. But... Jesus knew, and, and I, really, I really laugh at us sometimes because everything in our generation is so instant that, that we look at this and, and we kind of blow it off as Jesus just talking to his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And, and he tells them, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. What a, what a different mindset to look at Facebook with later. Or look at the news at later. You're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars, but don't let it alarm you. Whew. Such things must happen, but the end is still not come. I, I, I crack up when people talk about the latest, you know, latest, greatest war or conflict between countries, and they talk about it being a sign of the end times. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm not going to get bent out of shape about that one because Jesus clearly said that doesn't mean the end's come it's a it's a forerunner to the end coming but that doesn't mean the end is here i'm not going to go out on my street in new york city with the big cardboard banner saying the end has come you know if you ever feel like god called you that don't be mad at me i wasn't making fun of you but that, that's probably not the best way to share the word nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be famines, earthquakes in various places. Famines, earthquakes in various places. These are all the beginning of birth pains. I mean, we could put pandemics in the list. Wouldn't be sacrilegious. There will be depressions, recessions, economic trouble. And you're not really stepping out there because that's a modern day version of famine is a recession or a depression. Now's the part church folk really don't want to hear about. Then you'll be handed over and be persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. Wouldn't it be great if America would get back to being hated because she was Christian? 
that, that's a free sidebar. Anyway, uh, and that at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I'm glad to know that there's an out. The one who stands firm will be saved. You're not going to stand firm if you're letting all these other things take root in your life. And this is the one I'll that I focus on and it gives me tremendous peace when, when it comes to end time prophecy and, and, and I study end time prophecy. I do. I really enjoy it. And, and it's not like all these weirdos make it out to be. There's not going to be a zombie apocalypse. Okay. If, if there were, the Bible would describe it. It's not going to happen. Okay. And, and the reality is the Bible says it'll be more like the days of Noah which people were having big parties, celebrations, weddings, feasts, living life normal right up to the point it started raining. So if you're looking for some major calamity, you know, the book of Eli kind of thing, for those of you that are movie people, if you're looking for the post-apocalyptic world, that's not here. It's not there. I'm not freaking out about nuclear holocaust because it's not in the word of God. The only time this place goes nuclear is when Jesus comes back. I can't wait to see that. Anyway, but the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. There, according to the uh, a really good group of missionaries out there, there's still about twelve to fourteen hundred nations or groupings of people out there that have not been reached for the gospel that that doesn't sound like a tremendous thing but there are some huge boundaries to that have to be jumped over to share the gospel okay i i i've told you before about the little island off the coast of peru that you don't go to because they they've already speared like 15 people to death the the peruvian government won't let you go there so there's one obstacle. Two, if you get there, there's a high probability that you're the white devil they're going to spear with a spear. You're not going there. These people are like aborigines, native people. But the Bible says the gospel has to be preached before the end comes. So I take a little peace knowing, yeah, we're in the fourth quarter, but there's time on the clock. Praise God for that. There's always hope when there's time on the clock. The last days will either, that phrase will either fill you with faith or it'll fill you with fear. And, and when it fills you with faith, it fills you with purpose. Where you, you know there's time on the clock and there, there's, un, there's people in my family that know, they don't know Jesus. I got to go tell them. There's friends of mine that don't know Jesus. I got to go tell them. But when we let the world drive the narrative, you'll get stuck in the moment. How many of you during the pandemic felt stuck? I did. 
I did. And, I, and I'll tell you, God did more in my life personally having me stuck than, than He ever did when I was just running wild and free and getting to do what I wanted. And, and looking back, I can see that I wasn't stuck in that moment. I was held with a purpose. And God used that to reveal to me that, that every day of my life is my moment for Him. Every conversation that I have with somebody, that's my moment for Him. And, and the, these moments begin to show up in, in bigger fashion where, where God would pull aside just a, a friendship or a relationship that needed life breathed into it. That, that God would pull aside the, the veil that had been cast over who I was called to be in my family. And, and instead of, I'm stuck, God began to reveal what Mordecai told Esther. And, and I want you to take this this verse very personal today right where you're at because sometimes where we're at we we're letting the wrong voices drive that narrative and if you let god speak to you through his word he says for if you remain silent at this time relief and deliverance for and you fill in the blank it doesn't have to be the jews we're not all called to go save the Jews. Revelation tells us God's got them. It's all good. But fill in that blank right there. At this time, relief and deliverance for will arise from another place. I, I'd called so-and-so for you to speak into their life. And, you know, it may be somebody that walks through the door to get a loan, Jeff, that God has called that moment for you to speak into their life. And if you don't do it, he'll find somebody else and you miss the blessing of that moment. It may be that kid in your classroom that God has called you to speak into their life for this year that changes the trajectory of their destiny. And if you don't do it, they're going to have to wait another year and be a year behind where God has called them to go. Because you didn't recognize this one thing. And that, that's the last part of this verse. But that you have come to your royal position. How many of you think of your position in this world as royal? You've come to your royal position for such a time as this. Well, you should. Because Peter reveals to us later, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're called to your royal position for such a time as this. You're a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And mercy triumphs over judgment. Sometimes we look at people and and we, we look at what they do and decide in our mind that we can't reach them. You're a royal priesthood who was called for such a time as this. This is your moment. Today is the day of salvation according to the Word of God. Today. Not, not when you're comfortable. Not when you feel equipped and ready. Today. But if you're letting the world narrate your story, you don't recognize that you're a royal priesthood and you're put in that position for this time, for this moment. What will you do in your moment? How do we refocus the narrative of our life back into His story? And it's, it's very, very simple. The, the first thing we have to learn to do is pause. Pause. The Bible phrases that a little, a little fancier. It says, be still and know that I am God. And, and we're going we're gonna to begin looking at more of this next week, but I challenge you this week to, to take a very familiar passage of Scripture, the 23rd Psalm. And most of you could quote it. But I want you to take it and I want you to begin to, to turn it into a prayer where, where you make it very personalized. And you talk to God and you say, Lord, you are my shepherd. I lack nothing. And you continue through the narrative and begin to watch God reveal to you some things in your life that, hey, I really just don't need that. It's like cleaning out the closet. Haven't seen that in six years. I don't need it. Or I've I've only used it three times. (laughs) I don't need it. (laughs) And we, we get a good laugh, but... But in the, in the beginning of your day, pause and, and center yourself with God's Word. And, and if you're one of those people that is addicted to the news and that is really a thing, keep track for every half hour of news you watch. Spend an hour thinking about God, in the Word of God, reading God's Word, singing praises to God. If you're not a singer, guess what? There's a bajillion Christian podcasts out there that you can listen to. And and just let the Word of God start to wash over you. If you paid attention to when Jesus was talking to His disciples, He said, you are made clean through the Word I have spoken to you. Some days going through this world, I just feel dirty. But I never feel that way when I read the Word of God. And I spend time talking 
to my Heavenly Father. Church, we were made for this moment. We were made to walk not carefree and, and footloose and fancy, but to walk in a freedom that the people who are chained by the narrative of this world don't understand. The Bible talks about that. You're, you're called to go shine the light into the darkness. To take it down one more notch and put the cookies on the bottom shelf. We teach our children this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Go let it shine. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you that the author in Hebrews tells us that you, Jesus, are the author and the finisher of our faith. And God, we're just a part Lord, we're just smaller characters in your story. But God, you cared enough that you wrote each of us a story for your glory. God, help us this week to, to pause and to think about you and to meditate on your word, to spend time listening to you. And Lord, that we would, we would allow you to, to continue to take our story to make your story known. God, we ask that you would just be with those who couldn't be here today, Lord, and, and the request that we made earlier, we trust you.